Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. To the things of God and also in life. The Bible says that he has given you all things that pertains to life and godliness. Somebody say amen. amen. And when I think about the word maturity, it means complete. The word maturity means complete. It means ready. It means brought to perfection. That's what it is. It also means um, fit for use. So someone who has come to the place of maturity is one who is fit for use. Now, I know we all said things like this before that God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. I understand that. But there is certain degree of use that God wants to do in your life that you must come to the place of maturity. If not, certain things will be unachievable through you. And God wants you and I to be in a place of spiritual maturity. Somebody say amen. amen. Spiritual maturity. And another word that I think about is ripe. Ripe. The word ripe is the word that connotes spiritual or maturity in general. So when we get born again, it is not good enough for you to stay born again um, or to be born again, rather, without maturing in your walk with God. God wants you to grow. That's why your spiritual development is the most important conversation after the new birth experience. Right? So, there is the human explanation of who you would call someone that is mature. That comes as a result of age. So the, the wisdom of the wise, or sorry, the wisdom of the old. There is, that, there is that maturity of the elderly. But human maturity or of the elderly does not necessarily confer on you spiritual maturity. So, I'm saying that to say that don't confuse your spiritual maturity with time. Because if you don't guarantee spiritual maturity, you may become wiser in the world. You may be a man or a woman of good counsel, but when it comes to spiritual things, you're still a baby. So, it is important to understand that spiritual maturity is an interaction with the word and the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. So the word of God remains our standard for what is the medium through which you get mature. I'll show you the scripture of 1 Peter chapter 2. On, I will talk about some facts and some important things that you know, are markers of spiritual maturity. So let's call today um, traits of spiritual maturity. Traits of spiritual maturity. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the gospel. Is the gospel. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, 
hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Go back to verse 1. I don't want us to rush it. But look at those things very well. These are things that... Now, Peter is talking about Christians here. So he's saying, laying aside all malice, all malice, all deceit. What again? All hypocrisy. What? Envy. What again? And all evil speaking. Trash talk. Laying those things aside. Then let's see verse 2. We're going to read verse 2 together. Let's read it. One to go. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. So, the word of God is your medium for... What is this pure milk of the word that you may grow? What is this pure milk of the word? It's in verse 3. Let's see verse 3. If indeed... Talk to me, somebody. Huh? You have tasted that the Lord is what? Gracious. So the graciousness of the Lord is the pure milk that makes you grow. It is the grace of God that makes you grow. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Build you up where my Bible says, check it, Acts chapter 20 verse, check verse 28 or 32, one of them. Okay, check verse 32. Yeah. So now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up And give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So, first thing you must understand. First marker of spiritual growth is getting deep understanding of the gospel. You can be a believer for a long time. But if you've not grown in the gospel, you're still a baby. You can heal the sick. You can be gifted with supernatural endowments, gifts, raise the dead. But if you don't understand the gospel, you are still a baby. So that's why this year, I I, I want to intentionally go back to the the rudiments of the gospel again. So that those of us who have heard it before, we're going to hear it again and again and again. Until the message of the grace of God is rooted in your hearts. Somebody say amen. Amen. So it it is not just anything that makes you grow in the Bible. There's a specific meal in the Bible that makes you grow. And what is that meal? The grace of God. And what is the grace of God? The gospel. Let's keep reading verse verse 33. Keep reading. I don't know what is there, but just keep reading. Uh, I'm not sure, but let's keep reading. You know what? Just forget about it. (laughs) When a baby is born, you start the baby with what? Milk. Not Isam. Babies that grow with crayfish, there's how they are. <laughs> there's how they are. You know, we always used to do one kind of talk. Right? We, when you want to yap somebody, you just, you ask the person if the person was on breast milk consistently. <laughs> so, what makes you effectively, there's something, there's a protein that breast milk contains. It's called whey protein. 
is different from the protein you find in animals. What you find in animals is casein protein. It's different. But whey protein provides the necessary ingredients for the immune system and everything that the baby needs for development uh, all through his stages of growth. So that's why we always advise mothers when you give birth, six months. It may be very tedious, but six months because it makes your baby grow well. Yeah. Is it God has done everything that, you know, it's not, exp- growth is not expensive. Because if everybody was to afford, if this thing was to be something you can buy with money. So God said, you know what, I'll put it in you. So that you can, you can effectively grow your child. I've given you six months starter. Grace plan. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the, the, the starter package and the finished package for everybody in the kingdom is gospel. Talk to me now. Is what somebody said the grace of God. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Which is able to what? Build you up. So there is no building up without the grace of God. No building up. Hebrews chapter 5 and from verse 11. I'll show you another scripture there. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. It says of whom... We have much to say. I read the scripture, I think it was two Wednesdays ago. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. In other words, I want to say some things, but you can't take them because you are not hearing me. You know, that's why many times when a pastor is preaching and the people are shouting more than they are hearing. There's how that thing will be when, when you need what you have heard the time to apply it because it shouts that you picked an energy from your neighbor. How was the service today? Ooh, service was awesome. What did you learn? Uh, see, that service is hot. What did you learn from the service? You can't even pick out what you learned from the service because nothing is settling in your spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't shout. Oh. You shout, but you mix the two of them. Shout and listen. Uh-huh. Like shout and then you are taking it in. Then let's see the next verse, verse verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have become, you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone, for everyone, let's read this together now, one to go. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he's a baby. So if you're unskilled in the word of righteousness, the, the meaning of word there is the ministry of, of righteousness. If you're unskilled in that, then you're a baby. If by now you don't understand the issues and the conversations of righteousness, because the first thing that the gospel explains is the righteousness. That's the first thing that the gospel explains is righteousness. Galatians or Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Let's see that together. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Salvation. I am not ashamed of what? Let's say it together. I'm not ashamed of what? The gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who what? Believes. 
for the Jew first and also the Greek. Now, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because this gospel, okay, which is the grace of God. Hmm. Now the scriptures are coming back. Check Acts chapter 20 verse 24. I'm not sure, but let me see. Acts chapter 20 verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify, huh? to testify to the gospel of what? The grace of God. So the gospel is the grace of God. The grace of God is the gospel. When you talk about gospel, the first thing you think about is the grace of God. So go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the grace of God. For the grace of God is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. Now, what does this gospel reveal? The gospel reveals one thing. And let me show you what that thing is. For in it. Is what? The righteousness of God. Revealed. So the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. From what? Faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the first thing that the gospel... So we read in Hebrews chapter 5 that if you are unskilled in the word of righteousness, you are a baby. Now, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So in other words, logic, it means that if you are unskilled in the gospel, you are a baby. Do you get it now? Okay. Now, what is this righteousness of God? Romans chapter 10 and from verse 1. We're going to read it. Use the NLT version so that it will bring clarity. Or you know what? Let's just start from, let's just do the King James and then if I need the NLT, I'll let you move to the NLT. Let's do the King James. So brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Next verse. You're tired of reading with me? Oh yeah, now let's go. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. Now, you know, there's a difference between ginger, zeal. I love this God. I will serve him until I die. Mataya. And when you understand the depth of the gospel. Now, when you understand the gospel, it produces zeal. But there can be a zeal without the gospel. That's what you call zeal without knowledge. But you cannot have the gospel and not be zealous. Are you getting the balance now? So it says, these people, my people Israel, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Next verse. For they being ignorant of what? Now, underline the word God's righteousness. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. So what are the two kinds of righteousness that you see, you see here? Number one, God's righteousness. Number two, self-righteousness okay or their own righteousness so the one who is doing self-righteousness is the one who has not submitted to god and have you ever seen a self-righteous person before they don't look proud you are the ones that when you see them you say kai this one this one is holio this one this one is brother this one they are the ones when you see them you already start to condemn yourself. 
and the way they behave, the way they walk, the Bible calls them proud because they are self-righteous. Anybody who thinks that he is righteous because of what he or she can do or has done is what the Bible calls self-righteousness. So if you don't understand God's righteousness, you are still a baby. So if you have underlined that word God's righteousness, you will now go back to Romans 1.17 where it says, for in it is the righteousness of God. Are you getting this now? For the gospel now reveals the righteousness of God. Are you seeing this now? Uh, So go back to Romans chapter 10 and verse 2. I'm trying to let you know that God's own righteousness is what the gospel reveals to you. Hmm? So read verse verse 3 now. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who walks. No, 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 no. You have to, you have to do something. Because what makes you go to heaven? Righteousness. It is, you have to be righteous to go to heaven. So if you're not righteous, you cannot go to heaven. So under the law, God gave everybody who was in the Old Testament a law, 10 commandments, moral law, 613 requirements. Then there was also the, um, the priestly duties, the law that governed the system of the temples that they had to keep and abide by. Now, if they missed one of those things, there is no righteousness for them. So that is the reason. It now makes sense to you. Why when God gave the law, he also instituted the sacrifice. Have I gone ahead of you? I'm waiting for people to catch what I just said. Why did God institute the sacrificial system when he gave the law? Because he knows that they must break the law. And when you break the law, you become guilty. And when you're guilty, you need a sacrifice to atone for you. So from the beginning, God knew that the law was flawed. But he used that law to bring them to Jesus Christ. Talk to me. He used that law to bring them or channel them to Christ. Because if you've been trying to do something for 10 years. And you tried, you tried, you failed. Then somebody who can do it easily, what would you do? You go and meet the person and tell the person, show me how you did it. So your inability was designed to point you to someone who has ability. So the purpose of the law was not for you to actually keep the law. Look for that scripture for me in Hebrews. Osas, look for, find that scripture quickly. That God did not design the law. It was not designed for you to keep it, but it was designed for you. It was pointing you to Christ so that you know that this is why I need a savior. Because Jesus was not just killed. He died for you. There's a difference. What people did not see Jesus and say, ah, uh, This guy, his own own is too much. So we need to quiet him. No, from the start, he came to die. And why did he come to die? He came to die because the wages of sin is there. Somebody needed to die for your sins. 
Are you still here? If you don't understand these things, you're still a baby. So that's why everybody in tears me. This year, you must go deep in the gospel. Have you found that scripture? It says, yes, exactly, Galatians. Look at it, Galatians 3.19. It says, what, thank you, Osas. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. There's another part in Hebrews that actually talks about how that God designed the law for the purpose of pointing them to Christ. So let's keep reading Romans chapter 10. You're also going to see that. So when I say Christ is the end of the law, Jesus is the end of the law, it means that you are putting your faith in the one who has ended that sequence of performance. That's what I mean. So that sequence of performance, where you need to do, you need to do something for God to be happy with you. For God to be pleased with you. God has ended that sequence of purpose. So Christ. Now for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. Now there is do versus believe. There is God's righteousness versus my own righteousness. There is do and believe. Somebody say do and believe. Ask your neighbor which side you, where do you belong to? Which one do you? Pastor Victor said, what can I do? (laughs) There is do and there is believe. Now, what is the camp of the doers? The camp of the doers is those who want to do to enter heaven. Then the camp of the believers are those who believe what Christ has done to enter heaven. So when you put faith in Christ, that's your access to heaven. There is nothing else again. So, you belong to the group of faith, not the group of works. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. In fact, that's why you're called a believer. Have you not thought about it? Why did the Bible, why did, why you, why you Christian called a believer? Why are you not called a doer? You are called a believer for a reason. And the reason you're called a believer is because you, the way you enter this Christian faith is by believing. That's why you're called a believer. If you don't understand this, you're still a baby. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now let's keep moving. Verse verse 5. Verse 5 says, okay, verse 6 now. Let's keep reading. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Next verse. Verse 7. Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith is the gospel. Okay. Look at verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and. Come on read it with me. You know the Bible comes alive when you say. All right. That if you confess, want to go, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is salvation. This is the criteria. Not if you do. Not if you do this. If you don't do this, then you are If you don't do... No, 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 no. You believe in Christ and then you are saved. 
So here is now what happens. That anything called work happens after salvation, not before salvation. Anything that you are required to do happens after your salvation, not before your salvation. Before your salvation, what is required of you is your faith, your believing. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Let me show you that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you are saved through what? Faith. And none of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. If you like, don't join me and be talking now. It is what? The gift of God. Tell your neighbor, my salvation is the gift of God. So how many of you bought your salvation? Lift your hands up. You bought your salvation. You know, anybody who was sleeping now, when I said that, when the person, the person would lift up the hands, you did not buy your salvation by not telling a lie. Not telling a lie or not committing adultery cannot buy your salvation. No, no, no. Stealing cannot make you even lose the salvation that came as a gift. But let's keep reading. I want to show you something here now. Look at this. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because God knows all of you. God knows that if some of, if he leaves this thing to who can buy? <laughs> problem. There will be problem in the body of Christ. Your own salvation is inferior to mine. You are still learning work. Keep coming up. Do you know how many days I have been devout? How many days I stay waiting on the Lord? Do you know all my life, I live my life holy and pure? Well done. Keep on. Because it's for your own good. But that good does not take you to heaven. Which is your salvation. Which is the grace of God. And that's what the gospel preaches. Are you still here somebody? Now then look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. So you are not saved by works, but you are saved unto works. Anything you do to give you salvation is what the Bible calls dead works. But what you do because you are saved is good works. Now listen to this. Good works does not take you to heaven. It is the grace of God and faith in Christ that gives you heaven. But good works gives you rewards. So you are saved by grace, but you are rewarded by your works. Ah, where is that scripture? I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter, is it chapter 2 or chapter 3 where it's talking about the building? Check 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and from verse 11. Let's see. Yes, for no other foundation can anyone lay. You cannot lay this foundation of grace because you are not Jesus Christ. You didn't die for yourself. So no other foundation can any lay which is Christ Jesus. Then look at verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, this build now is what the Bible calls good works. The foundation is saved by grace. But the building is you are saved unto good works. So I don't know what you are building with. I don't know. If you're building with straw, you better, you know, make up your mind today because that house will not stand. Make up your mind to use silver, gold to build. 
<laughs> Praise God. Now it says, no other foundation can anyone... It says, on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, for some is straw. But building are building. You know, many times, the strength of the building is not revealed by looking at the building. It's when storm comes, though. That's when you would know whether this building is working or not. Next verse. Each one's work. Now, you see the building here is now called what? Work. Follow me, follow me. Each one's what? Work will become clear. So, all the things that you are doing. I serve in the house of God. Nobody sees you. To be clear one day. Nobody told you thank you. To be clear one day. Nobody said well done. Don't worry. It will be clear. It will be clear one day. Nobody gave you transport. You were suffering while you were serving. You were bleeding and serving. (laughs) But it will be clear one day. I'm telling you. So there is not like I told you some Sundays ago. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. That whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. Listen to me. I don't want to get to heaven and be told what I could have done. I better be told here on earth. I better need correction now so that I build wisely. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. I need instructors in my life who will tell me this way you are going is not spiritual maturity. You are here wasting your time. If you want to have spiritual and eternal rewards, focus on the things that edify don't look at things that are straws. Maybe we can tweet on that. Leave straws alone. Leave straws because they don't last. When shaking comes, it will fall away. So focus on the buildings that last. So let's keep reading. It says that the fire and the fire will what? Will test each one's work. See, that thing you are doing is distracting me will test each one's work of what sort it is. Let's see the next verse. Verse 14. Now, let's read it together. One to go. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive what? No, he will go to heaven. If your work is standing the test of time, it will what? You will receive what? A reward. It's not talking about heaven. So let's read verse 15 now. Look at this. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. This Bible. He himself will what? Be saved. So it tells you from the start that your works was never a guarantee for yourself, for you're going to heaven. But you can lose your works. You can lose your works. Your works can be burned down. So you have to be careful. Not to make, to be sure that your works are not burned down. But he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. Next verse. Do you not know that you are the temple of God. And the spirit of God dwells in you. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is in you. So how can you lose that Holy Spirit? You don't understand what I'm saying. How, how can the Holy Spirit so okay because of one mistake you made Holy Spirit will say Kai this place is too the smell I beg he steps out of you then when, you, when he now looks at you when you get your acts together the Holy Spirit now comes inside of you how can you be holy if you don't need Holy Spirit why is he called Holy Spirit 
Because you need a spirit called holy to make you holy. Talk to me somebody. Very important. So you must go deep in the girls. People see all those things I mentioned. It gives you formidability against trials. People who are not established in the gospel. When storm comes, it will hit them. They will move. They will move. You hear somebody all of a sudden who, who believes in God, believes in Christ. All of a sudden he's saying he's considering, reconsidering whether there is God. You know, this is not about how long you spent in, in church. It's how connected your heart is with the gospel. Another thing I talk, talked about was right living. That the gospel will make you live right. Because at that point, you're going to see how the love of God translates through Christ. And how that, that Christ love that is presented to you, how it affects your daily life. Knowing the things that are freely given to you in view of the mercies of God. You present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But it has to be in view of the mercies of God. I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. You cannot present your body without the mercies of God. Are you still here somebody? So, like I've taught you before, everybody in this world has been forgiven. There is no human being. Even the, the Boko Haram leader has, been for, has received forgiveness of sins by the blood of Jesus. Everybody has been forgiven. But not everybody is going to heaven. Why? Because it's one thing for you to be forgiven. It's another thing for you to receive the forgiveness. I've taught you that, right? Acts chapter 13 verse 38. Acts chapter 13 verse 38. Acts chapter 13 verse 38. Very quickly. He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through, that through this man is preached to you, what? The forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus is preached the forgiveness of sins. So when you, what you're going to do when you're preaching the gospel, you're going to announce to both the alcoholic, the halots, the smokers, the, the yahoo guys, if the ass is yielding, then you call it twice. Yahoo, Yahoo. <laughs> when Maga they pay, you call it twice. Yahoo, Yahoo. That second Yahoo is a hailing. Yahoo, Yahoo. <laughs> is it to everybody alike? You announce to them the forgiveness of sins. What are you telling them? Listen, I don't care where you are, but you are forgiving. For God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses on them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the gospel. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. It's not, he didn't send you to go and tell people God is angry with them. Who sent you that one? Are you the one who died for them? His blood has already paid for their sins and God has no record of anybody's sin in this world. He threw everything, Helen Baylor, into the sea of forgetfulness. Threw everything in. First John chapter 2 and from verse 1. Let me show you. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Huh? And if anyone sins, it now says if. It doesn't say when because the Bible is not expecting you to sin. 
So he says, if, but just in case you fall. So don't be there saying, you know, even when I fall, mm -mm, mm -mm. the gospel is enough so that you don't fall. To him who is able to keep you from falling. So, but he says, if just in case you fall, just in case you make a mistake, you are not wallowing yourself up in condemnation. He says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who? The righteous. Who do you have an advocate with? Normally, it's supposed to be with a judge. But he says, this judge is your dad. This judge is your That means the court is on your side. The law is on your side. The judge, now your papa. The lawyer, now your brother. You have one now. So, can't you see the consistent foolishness of Satan when he takes your matter to God and is always accusing you? When he knows God will always side you. But the problem is that Satan knows that you may condemn yourself. He knows the problem is not God and he knows the problem is not Jesus. But he knows you may have the problem. And what can be the root of the problem? Wrong teaching. That when you miss Sam, you don't miss God. Uh-uh. One mistake, all your anointing is gone. You're going to need 61 days to come back to where the Holy Spirit left you. Come on. You're going to need moments of refreshing. Listen, I believe in repentance. Don't get me wrong. I believe in times where you take your, you retrace your steps back and you say, okay, I need to put certain things here. You're doing that for you so that your direction is clear, but not your, not, you're not talking about your stand with God. Your stand with God is constant. It's not a variable. It's a constant. Are you still here? So it says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at verse 2. And he himself, what is it saying? Is what? Read it with me now. Read it. Don't do like this. Read it with me. Want to go? And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but who? For, for who? For how many people? So this forgiveness we are talking about is the whole world though. You were forgiven before you got saved. But why do people go to hell? Acts chapter 26 verse 18. Acts chapter 26 verse 18. Let me show you why people go to hell. Acts 26 verse 18. He says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Okay? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So the Bible is consistent about this by faith, by faith, not by works, by faith, by faith. You keep seeing by faith all through the read Romans, you will see by faith, by faith. Believing, believing. It says to open their eyes that they may receive forgiveness of sins. So not everybody is receiving the forgiveness. And that's why they go to hell. So we must grow on this matter. Tell your neighbor we must grow in the gospel. You know, these are elementary things. I hope you understand it. Okay, but the body of Christ has not known this for many years. 
and the body of Christ must come to understand these things. So spiritual maturity, the first thing is growing in the gospel. The first trait is what? Growing in the gospel. Number two trait, write this one down. Number two trait, strive after the standard of Christ. You must strive after the standard of Christ. First Peter chapter 2 and from verse 21. First Peter chapter 2 and from, use the NLT version if you will. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Can I pause there for a bit? Okay. Type finish because I need you to look at me. <laughs> You're not going to dodge this one. Uh-huh. Have you finished? You are just there typing. I'm, I, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I hope you are not pressing Instagram or WhatsApp. All right, good. Now, let's read it together. Let's go one to go. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Is this self-explanatory? Listen to me. Christ must be your standard. This is one of the markers of maturity. Where you are bent on doing what is good, even if you have to suffer for it. That's maturity. That's maturity. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 8. I'm just going to read the scriptures to you. Uh, Let the Holy Spirit minister these words to you um, by itself. Alright, but let me read out the scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. Use the NLT Uh, from verse 3 want to go don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourself stop there before we go to verse 4 you see hmm. let me tell you one of the ways you pick out maturity is humility and what is humility preoccupation of others as well as yourself. That's what humility is. Another way to describe pride is preoccupation of self. That's pride. Self ambition. That is, you are all about self. All right? So, a, 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 a proud person or someone who is preoccupied about self will never encourage Christian unity. It's impossible. So if all of us, for example, are gathered here and everybody is looking at what benefits me, that's all of you individually, there is no way we can be united. It's impossible. But one of the ways you know maturity in the body of Christ is humility. It is humility that you grow in being humble day by day. That the more you have, the more humble you become. The more God blesses you, the more God increases you, the more humble you are. And humility does not mean to take your eyes away from yourself. But it's saying that because humility is not saying don't care for you. Humility is saying don't don't make you the only thing you look at. Humility is saying look at you but also look at others. So that when you're thinking about yourself, there is something in you that also thinks about other people. That's humility. And these things, they foster 
Christian unity in the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Your life is not about others. Your life is not about people. Don't try to impress. Impress God. I've learned for a long time now, don't be a man pleaser, but be a God pleaser. Very important. So be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Next verse, verse 4. Let's read it together. One to go. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I wish you can be reading this and be looking at your neighbor. (laughs) All right. Next verse, verse 5. Let's keep going. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What is that? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Next verse. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So this is, this is going to be one of the traits of maturity when you are not self-preoccupied, okay? When you are thinking of others as well as you're thinking of yourself. Praise God, somebody. So let Christ be the standard in your life. Um, don't do things your own way. Do things the way Christ will do. Somebody say amen. Then another trait, number three, another trait of spiritual maturity is yielding. Your ability to yield. I wish this point was the last point, but your ability to what? To yield. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. We're going to use the NLT as well. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Now it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's what the Bible says. God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Don't practice self-reliance. You know, a lot of this new year resolution is yourself. I'm sorry to say. A lot of this, many of you are just not yielded, but you are very strong with new year resolution. I have new year resolutions. And some of those new year resolutions are twisted. Meanwhile, a lot of things will be more productive in your life when you just allow the Holy Spirit work. So, tell your neighbor, let God do the work. If that neighbor didn't hear you, well, say to another neighbor, say, let God do the work. Now, you say with me, I will let God do the work in my life this year. What does that mean? It means that there are things you are struggling with, right? Listen to this very carefully. There are things, there might be things you are struggling with, but if you allow God do the work, okay, you would realize that you wake up one morning and the struggle is less. I don't know if you've been there before. You wake up the next morning, it feels like you are being helped. It was not anything of yourself. You're just overcoming something. It might be addiction for some of you. You're not trying to force it. You're not trying to work it. You know, sin consciousness is as bad as sin itself. Adam fell. 
when he fell, he lost the identity of God. But what happened? There was sin consciousness that followed Adam after the fall. But that sin consciousness grew as time went by. That's the reason why um, you realize people who were in the days of Adam lived a whole lot more longer than we today. Because sin consciousness has grown to the maximum in the later days. I don't know if you get it. Even after Adam fell, there was still a con- the remnant of the, 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 the life, the way, the glory. It was still somehow within the air. So when people were born, some of them would stay for 400 years. Are they not still human beings? Some of them would stay for 100, 400 years, 600 years. They're still alive, strong. But as the times and the days and the ages, the epochs begin to come by, you see that the ages are decreasing. Because of sin consciousness. Sin consciousness is a killer. So when you are conscious, today I will not sin. I will not sin. It's by your power. I will not sin. (laughs) You better be focused on walking in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. What your focus is on is what determines what you will do. Not you there shouting, I will not sin, I will not sin. Focus on the things you will do. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to meditate on God's love. I'm going to meditate on who I am in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Meditate on these things. And before you know it, it will preoccupy your mind. And then God begins to help you from inside out. That's how to go about it. Somebody say amen. Amen. So tell your neighbor, yield. Yield. All right. Um. Another trait, another trait of um, spiritual maturity is your ability to forget things that are behind you. Your ability to forget things that are behind you. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focused on this one thing. If you're going to stand strong, mature, thriving in your spiritual life and your walk and your communion with the Holy Spirit, one thing I want to recommend that you do, this one thing, forget the past. Forget the past. And look forward to what lies ahead of you. Because if you allow the past dictate your life, it will stop you from growing. So you must forget the past. And where does the past live? The past lives in your memory. That's where the past lives. It lives in your memory. And every time when the memory of the past comes, you begin to wallow in regret or you wallow in shame or condemnation because of what you've done or what you shouldn't have done or you are, you are, you are, you are angry at what someone has done to you. If you stay there, you cannot grow. You cannot grow. Listen to me. Unforgiveness is an invitation to the past. Unforgiveness is an invitation to the past. So that's why this year you must intentionally let everybody who has offended you go. If not, you're not going to grow. So forget the past and move on. 
If you're waiting for an apology, remember the gospel because you never said sorry before Christ forgave you. You never said sorry. Did you say sorry? Is it your sorry that made Jesus die? And then you are waiting for someone to say sorry or for someone to come and sit you down. You know, uh, uh, brother, I've been thinking about what I did to you. It's really shameful. You know, I know what sorry does to you. It kind of makes you feel good. It heals your heart. I understand it. But see, let your healing be on Christ. It's safer to be there than to be waiting for people to come and tell you sorry or acknowledge what I've done in your life. Listen, free them and let them go. Tell your neighbor, say free them. Let them go, let them go, let them go. Anybody, anything you have not forgiven is a pointer to your immaturity. Anything that you are not, before you say, um, see, calm down no. Calm down. Because, calm down. Because, uh, just be hearing and take it. <laughs> Anything that you haven't developed in your love walk is a pointer to your immaturity. That thing is above you. So this year, you must let everything go. You're going to grow if you do that. So Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, I have achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Do you know who Paul was? Paul was former Saul. Who is former Saul? <laughs> you didn't even do half of what Saul did. You are here saying God, does not, God, God will not hear your prayer because of what you've done. Or because of the mistakes you made. Let me explain who former Saul was. Former Saul was someone who was going from church to church. Killing people in the name of God. Killing God's people in his in the God's name. You know when someone does something awful out of ignorance and the person now realizes. Huh? I'm not talking about someone who is intentionally doing something because he has a legitimate bitterness. I'm talking about someone who thinks he's helping God. And then the person now realizes that he was actually persecuting the God he thought he was helping. Can you imagine the level of condemnation? You don't understand what Paul went through. Can you imagine the level of condemnation that he would have felt? And at the end of the day, because of his revelation, he came up one day to a congregation and he said, I owe no man nothing. You need gospel. You need the, you need the forgiveness of sins. You need to understand that your sins are forgiven, past, present, future, for you to speak like that. Where Paul can say, I owe no man nothing. I have done no man wrong. Huh? Former Saul. <laughs> Former Saul is the one that even after he got saved, they still didn't believe because they thought his new salvation is strategy. <laughs> to enter the church so that when they, when they now welcome him, let us welcome Minister Paul. And I say, Pastor Paul, I better lock that door there. <laughs> Everybody, I kill you. <laughs> Former Saul was not a good person. He was, he was holding the cloak of people who were stoning Stephen to death. He was helping them hold their dress, do it. Then out of zeal, he wrote a letter to the Jews, I mean to the commission. He said, he wrote a letter, he said, 
permit me to go on my way to Damascus and persecute them. And then he's on his way. But you see, God is a good God. Many of us, if we are God, we won't use Saul. You will look for somebody else to use. But God is not discouraged. God is not intimidated by your failures. God is not intimidated by your mistakes. He's not intimidated by your weakness. Let me tell you something. There are many of you who are listening to me. There is a parallel between your struggles and the purpose of God in your life. You didn't hear what I just said. There is a parallel of two things happening at the same time. It is your struggles, your addictions, your failings. And at the same time, the plans and the purposes of God in your life. If you look at the the failings, you will never know God has a plan for your life. Some of you have already disqualified yourself. And Satan already knows that. But there is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus... So Paul can boldly now preach. He's the custodian of this revelation of Christ. And he brings it to the church. When he shares it with the apostles. The Bible says that the apostles gave him a right hand of fellowship. When they heard his gospel. So this gospel was given to me. That I may preach it to the Gentiles. Are you still here somebody? So he says one thing I do. Forgetting. Paul had a lot of things to forget about. You know how many people he will come and he will preach to. And some of them are orphans of the people whose parents he had killed. And he's writing to them. But he says, I've learned to forget those things that are behind me. I don't know what God has called you to do, but focus on it. Forget your experience. Forget your experience. Forget. Move on so you can grow. Come on, tell your neighbor, say move on. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Next verse. Verse 14. Say, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Come on, talk to me, somebody now. Verse 15, what does it say? Say, let all who are spiritually mature agree to these things. Let all who are spiritually mature agree to these things. If you want to be a baby, stay with yesterday. Stay with yesterday. There is a matter in my heart. This matter is not resolving. I'm just looking at you. You are not growing. You are not growing. There are people who are letting go. Someone let go this morning. Someone is letting go tomorrow morning. Somebody else is letting go in the service you attended. And you are there. You are holding on to stuff. Keep holding on. Listen to me. You cannot hold on to something and receive from the Lord. You have to let go and then receive from the Lord. So that's why it's my appeal. I'm begging all of you, TSP, all of you. I have something in my mind. I'm keeping it for the right time. Right time. I'm keeping it for the right time. Because at the right time I will speak. But that time shall not tarry. It will come to pass. Even though it tarries, it will come to pass right time. You don't understand that the time you are saying right time, you are wasting valuable time between now and that right time. When you can let go right now. Come on, tell your neighbor, say let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Let go, let go. Let go. He said, let those who are spiritually mature agree to these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Because me, Pastor Phil, I've told you my own. 
But if you don't agree with me, I will leave you. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Among those who are sanctified. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let, let, let me tell you something. There is no past that is stronger than the, f- the future God has designed for you. There is nothing that you have experienced or there is nothing you are going through now that is strong enough for where he wants you to get to. But let me say this. As a matter of fact, God knew that you would go through it. And in spite of knowing you would go through it, he gave you grace that you'll be able to handle it. So you have to, there's so many things to let go. So many things to let go. This year you must not walk in unforgiveness. You must not walk in regret. You must not walk in shame. I don't know if I'm talking to people here. You must walk with boldness. There was a young girl who called me uh, from Benin. She said, Pastor Phil, I want to talk to you. I messed up, but I hold the microphone every day. I messed up and I'm not proud of myself. I don't want to, when I see the microphone, I don't want to touch the microphone. I told her, I said, listen to me, my dear. You better go back and hold on to what, who you are in Christ. Don't let anything discourage you. Be bold about what the gospel said about your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I told her, I asked her a question. I said, is it a habit? Is this something you enjoy doing? She said, no. I said, in that case, then be confident in the gospel. Be confident in the gospel. I'm not dealing with a case where we're talking about something you enjoy doing. This, this, is, this, is, this is a struggle. And because it's a struggle, it's a proof that the Holy Spirit is there. Because a sinner does not struggle. A sinner just does it. But a believer struggles. So I told her, I said, listen to me. Keep affirming to yourself, this is who you are in Christ. Take some time and remind yourself. And be bold about your future in God. Not your past. Not what the devil is saying about you. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you. But don't listen to his accusations. So let those who are spiritually mature agree to these things. Say that with me. Let those who are spiritually mature agree on these things. You see someone, you don't greet the person, you are still a baby. I don't care who you are, you are still a baby. You see someone, there is offense, there is strife, there is malice, you are still a baby. Baby is baby. They are big babies. They are babies that hold microphones. They are babies that wear tie. There are babies with plenty of money in their pockets. There are babies who can be head ushers. Not my own head usher. Not my own head ushers. There are, baby, there are babies who can be in audacity. But are not in audacity. You, they, are not, they are not here. They are not here. They are not here. There are no babies here. But just in case they, they are... They are <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing with you guys. Amen. Hallelujah. Last one, last one, number, I don't know what number it is. Number five, restoration. Restor, somebody say restoration. 
These are the traits of spiritual maturity. Restoration. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 to 2. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 to 2. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should say that word with me and humbly, gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself because it takes strength to have compassion compassion requires strength because compassion opens you up it makes you vulnerable to the person's sentiments and emotion some of you have gone to comfort someone who has a problem or is angry about something rather than you restoring the person to the right path you have been bought by the person's sentiment that's how they did now you know anytime we talk like they don't hear us you, you are the one who came with sister I want to see you you know I want to talk to you about something then you now come to the person and you sit the lady down then she now begins to tell you her side of the story you forget why you are there <laughs> And what happens all of a sudden? You are you and the lady are living there. This church now, wow. Look at you who came to comfort someone, who came to restore someone on the right path. Someone who is discouraged, who is angry. You have now gone there to join the person. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Somebody say, uh-uh. Bahakaba. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because if care is not taken, you see, the devil is very tricky. I'm going to teach you maybe sometime the wiles of the devil. The devil is very smart. Someone is bitter against church, bitter against a brother in church, bitter against a sister in church. You heard about it, you're going to meet the person. Your job is to gently, not out of pride, but gently bring the person back on the right path. That is maturity. Regardless, I know the person may even have legitimate reasons. This is why I'm angry. This is why I'm angry. This is why I'm upset. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the church. I'm not even doing anything. Ushering. I will leave the ushering for them. No, 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 no. After you are done, you should have ensured that the person's faith in Christ is restored. Number one. Number two, the person has assurance and confidence to go back to doing the things that he or she said he was not going to do again. Just because you spoke to that person. So when last did you restore someone back to the right path? That's your pointer to maturity. Not for you to go and join them and be talking. You are a baby. You are a baby. You are not helping Christ. You are not helping the body. And be careful not to. Now look at verse 2. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law not of Moses but of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. Are you seeing this now? Look at verse 3 if there is anything there. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. I want to settle and let me just settle down and let let this word sink in your spirit. Mm. Can you see me? Yo, peace, y'all. 
If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Bible is not Pastor Phil. Bible. So, when you see someone who needs help, go there and offer help. Don't go and gossip. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Don't go and gossip. Go and help. And what is help? Restoration. Bring the person back to the right path. That is help. Not gossip. Not gossip. Because we young people, we like talk too much. You know me, I don't like talk. If you know me very well, I hate, I don't like talk. I don't, if it's not constructive, I don't like it. I don't like nonsense talk. I don't like it. I don't like gist. I don't like it. Don't give me gist. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So if it's not constructive, if it doesn't help, just respect yourself. Behave yourself. Now look at, look at verse 4. Let me show you something there. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Somebody say amen. Amen. Last verse today. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. Oh hallelujah. TSP you know what you're going to do for me. Go listen to this message over. Don't think you've understood everything. Go back again and listen over and over again. Now let's see verse 15, uh, chapter 15 and verse 1. Let's read it together. Want to go? We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Let's see the King James. I think I might like the King James version of this one. Let's read it. Want to go? We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. So don't be don't 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 try to please yourself. If you see someone is weak, go help the person. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of maturity. I hope these few words of mine you're blessed. Let's go back over the first things. Number one, we said was grow in the gospel. Number two, strive for the standard of Christ. Number three. Ability to yield. Number four. Forget the things that are behind. Number five. Restoration. I hope this blesses you. Alright. Just bow down your heads and thank the Lord for the word that you have received today. Give him praise and give him glory. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.